0: Listening to the Testudo Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins
1: Colossus.
0: And welcome to episode twenty of the Testudo Times podcast. Basketball season is upon us, but our one of our basketball experts is now joining us, but. I'm a little angry at him right now. Matt Ellenton, can you explain what the heck just happened before we started recording to the vases that are listening to this show right now?
1: You know what? I think Skype didn't really make it to the 21st century, so I'm not really sure if this is my fault. But uh, I don't know, some offline trouble. I think Skype needs to get its act together and make itself a little more I clear. I think you need to
0: click a button is basically what this is.
1: Uh, you know what? I'm not really capable of that. I think that's my, my real issue here. Maybe that's why you. Uh, never mind.
0: Uh, Dave Tucker, you're also here, and you kind of just watched Virginia implode against George Washington, and this happening at the sidelines. That's a lot of shade and Freud to be happening in like two minutes. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and and after yesterday with your your football team, which lost to my football team in the most shade and Freud way possible, it was fantastic. It was even better in person.
2: Well, I was there too. Were you there? Yes. Dang, how did
0: I not um, see you?
2: We should have talked was, about this beforehand. That was, well, the NFL Fantastic. came out today and said that I the know, entire offensive line was not set, so it should have been a false start, 10-second runoff, and you know what, game I, over.
0: You know what happened to the Jaguars in Week 9? Brian Walters made a catch that was somehow ruled not a catch when he had two feet in bounds, and then Brandon Marshall caught a touchdown that was inherently illegal in about five different ways, and that counted. The bottom line is the NFL officials are like Pac-12 Reps, or moonlighting is Pac-12 Reps. or the, it's the other way around. Anyway, that's a lot of stuff to get through. Uh, I'm still enjoying that win, but I won't enjoy it too much on this show. We have a lot to get to, uh, specifically because the day you are listening to this, there is a fairly sizable basketball game on this campus. Uh, but first, we have to talk about the first basketball game when Maryland played Mount St. Mary's. Now, full disclosure, your humble podcast host here watched about a minute of it because I was watching the U.S. men's national team. Sorry. Uh, So, Dave, I saw the score. I saw a couple of highlights. The game went about as well as you would expect it to. Uh, What should we take away from that game?
2: Uh, I think probably the biggest takeaway from that game is um, I think Suleiman starting and um, doing a lot of running of the point was the thing that really stood out to me. Um, Other than that, I think everything was – pretty much what you expected it to be in a game like that i think the people you would expect to contribute contributed um you you can't take too much away from a game like that and maryland you know did very well they did what they should do against a team like mount st mary's considering the talent they have on their roster so i thought everything went well and um it's a good game a good first game overall Matt, anything that you
0: noticed that you're going to take away heading into Georgetown?
1: Uh, I wasn't thrilled with the first half of the game, but then again it is the first regular regular season game of the year. Uh, Defensively, uh, they didn't look really uh, poised right from the beginning. They were allowing a lot of threes. uh, Weren't defending them too well either. Uh, I think they recovered really nicely in the second half, though. They really showed that they're going to be just a balanced scoring team throughout the year. Uh, No one had higher than 16 points. And I do, yeah, I agree with what Dave said. Uh, Suleiman was great. Uh, he scored the lowest points out of all starters, but was so balanced. Was a great backup for Mello. Uh, his addition's huge. So,
0: well, based on what we've seen already in college basketball, the winning games against teams you should be at home. Isn't necessarily easy. Am Wisconsin. Am Georgetown. So, uh, should we? I mean, let's talk about uh, Rashid Suleiman for a second, because Mark Turgeon said after the Deion Wiley injury that he was going to be the starting shooting guard, which surprised me. Uh, and obviously, Rashid started with this. Uh, is this the kind of performance we can expect from him going forward,
1: Matt? I'm taking it. Okay. Yes, yeah. you are uh, taking it. Yeah, no, it absolutely should be. Suleiman isn't really known to be much of a scorer, and uh, to me, I didn't think he was much of a ball handler until what we've seen from this game and the exhibition game. But he was really in control, and he seems to have earned that spot over Jalen Brantley, who we all thought was going to be the backup position. Jalen looked pretty flat, didn't really do all that much. Uh, but Rashid being able to create shots for others, he had five assists. He rebounds really well. He had four the last game and seven in the first game. He's really balanced, and he's absolutely perfect for, for what we need him to do.
2: Dave? No, I completely agree. And he only turned the ball over two times too, which was another important thing. Um, I think he's going to be a really valuable asset. And um, I I think, you know, not having him have to worry too much about scoring, he certainly is capable of doing that, but he was so involved in the offense and creating shots for other people on the team. I, I was really surprised at how well and how efficiently he was able to do that. So you, well, Matt, you can no, go I on. Something.
1: I saw him too. Just I just started remembering now. Uh, as I was talking to Dion Wiley, actually at media day a couple of weeks ago, this was before his injury. Uh, he was talking to me about Suleiman's defense, and something that that just clicked now. He was comparing it to Des Wells, who we obviously know pretty good defensively. He actually described Suleiman's defense in practice as being even tighter than Des's. So, so wait until we actually see Suleiman guard opposing wings. He's going to shut down the Big Ten.
0: That sounds very enticing. I like the sound of that. Uh, When we look at some of the issues, you talked about Maryland's perimeter defense, which was a problem last year, still was apparently a problem in the first half, and they still turned the ball over quite a bit. Uh, Those are problems that we saw, as I said, a year ago. How worried should we be when Maryland plays the Georgetown's of the world and better teams? Are those problems still going to come up? Whoever wants to take it first can go.
1: Yeah, I got it. I mean, it's, it's again, it's the beginning of the year, so we all know it's going to be sloppy as Turgeon keeps reiterating that the team hasn't been together all that long because of, uh, you know, Suleiman graduating and Melo being with the Pan Am Games and Jared played overseas. But, uh, well, I mean, once they start getting more comfortable with each other, I wouldn't expect turnovers to be a huge problem. Melo isn't a, an extremely turnover-prone point guard, so once he gets that balance, I think he'll be fine. A lot of the turnovers have also been offensive, where we've had just—we're uh, not used to this either, seeing— guys barrel through opposing bigs. Uh, Robert Carter has gotten hit for a bunch of offensive fouls, and so has Stone. So once we start seeing them play against bigger and better opponents, I expect the turnover numbers to actually go down.
0: Dave, any final takeaways before we move off of this game? Because it's pretty evident there wasn't
1: all that much to take from it.
2: No, I, I completely agree with what Matt was saying, though. I think they're going to continue to get better as they play more and more with, with each other. I think Georgetown's going to be a good game for them. I mean, despite the loss Georgetown had, they're still a very talented team, and you know they're going to be a team that's extremely focused after that loss. So I think you're going to get a really good effort out of them on Tuesday, and it's going to be a really good test for Maryland.
0: Yes, this is a little inside podcasting, and by on Tuesday he means today because you're listening to this today. Doesn't doesn't matter. It's a little technicality. So we'll move off of that. We'll preview Georgetown at the end of the show. There was a bit of basketball recruiting news and we have our basketball recruiting expert on. So we should talk about it. Uh, Mario Kegler announces he's going to Mississippi State. Everybody seems to be going to Mississippi State now. I know Ben Hallen was good, but I didn't think he would Starkville for not football. Anyway, uh, Matt, what is Maryland losing out on here?
1: Yeah, it's been a rough recruiting go-around based on forwards for Maryland so far. They, I mean, they, they're fortunate enough to have a solid backcourt with Anthony Cowan and Kevin Herter coming in. They both seem to be like long-term pieces that aren't going to be one-and-dones like Diamond is or 2 and duns if you want to call it with Melo. They'll be around here for a while, but losing Kegler definitely hurts. I know that Coach Turgeon spent a lot of time with him. He's playing at Oak Hill in Virginia, so Coach Turgeon has been down there watching him play. Him committing to Mississippi State wasn't really a surprise to anyone, uh, but it hurts. Turgeon has offered uh, a three-star from Tennessee. He was actually Mr. Basketball in Tennessee, Micah Thomas, who seems to be a much roar, uh, skinnier, but better shooter than Kegler. Kegler was more of just a powerhouse. He's already, he's already built for college. He's stronger than Jake Lehman is right now, and we've all seen the improvement Lehman has in his physique, but... Kegler would have been an immediate impact. Thomas is right now our lone forward option, but we'll wait and see.
0: Recruiting is a weird thing, isn't it? So I it I, mean, I mean I mean even looking ahead, it's weird. Like consider, let's say, Diamond Stone and everybody and we have just front court depletion. Maryland will still have players, but could the front court be a problem in, I guess, a year or two if the recruiting
1: doesn't end up panning out? It's weird. I mean, we have a pretty good idea that probably we won't be seeing Mello or Diamond Stone. Not 100%, but again, everyone seems to have that feeling. Uh, and definitely Rashid Suleiman and Jake Lehman won't be there. So knock all of them off the board. Robert Carter is going to be the real piece who we don't really know about yet. We're not sure if he's good enough to make the leap early and go straight from not playing for two years, play one year, and then be drafted. Uh, so he may or may not be with Maryland next year. That's going to be really important because right now we don't really have a small forward to put on the court unless you want to consider Jared Nick into small forward.
0: Uh, that's something I don't even want to consider. Thank you. Anyway, uh, let's move on to more recruiting bad stuff happening. Uh, this actually happened on the day of the Wisconsin game. As I tweeted, Maryland sports, bad stuff comes in threes. Lots of bad stuff happened that day. Trevon Diggs, Stefan Diggs' little brother announces he's going to Alabama. This is not all that much of a surprise either, considering Maryland doesn't have a coach and the elder Diggs had some issues. Here with quarterbacks and injuries and whatnot, but Dave, is that really a surprise? I mean, Dwayne Haskins was going hard after him. He was Maryland's best recruiter in that, in essence. So,
2: is losing him a, a surprise, a shock? How do we, how should we react to this? No, I don't think it's that big of a surprise. I mean, Alabama certainly been involved in his recruitment for a long time, and it's um, he um, I mean, it's been. A place that people thought he could end up I I think he was initially considering committing a few months ago and then pushed that decision back and some thought that might be beneficial for Maryland but with everything that's happened this year and like you said not having a coach right now um, and not really unsure what the future is going to be for Maryland um, it's really not that surprising to me that he'd end up at Alabama and considering you know Alabama is a team that's going to be in the playoff again could very well be the national champion again it's a very intriguing place um for a recruit to want to end up from here
0: and one that might not be uh, immediately high on the depth chart which is the other reason what i was what i was thinking about but regardless of that i mean he was one of the big D M V D umd guys and because of his name naturally people were going to start thinking hey he should be here and as we mentioned before dwayne haskins Uh, was hard recruiting after him, basically, because they were friends. But regardless of that, let's talk about the football game on the field. Should we really talk about the football game on the field? Do we have to? I mean, you all know what happened. You all kind of have the idea of what a Maryland football game in 2015 is like. Uh, Dave, anything special from this game you want to mention? Anybody that stands out that you feel deserve... A pat on the back above the traditional, well, you played and you held a decent team to 24
2: points on offense with its backup quarterback. Um, I, I think it's worth noting that I think Maryland has played better the past several games despite the final outcome. Um, I think their defense has played especially well during those games, uh, especially when you look at how much they've been on the field due to our offense, not being able to move the ball that well. um, It's just the same stuff that's plagued Maryland all year turnovers, especially coming from the quarterback position. And, um, you know, they're trying to do, I'm sure everything they can to fix that and limit those, but they're, they're still a problem. I'm I'm pretty sure Maryland is leading the nation still. Correct in interceptions and that certainly they did not do anything to um, move away from that in this past game. And they have a, they have a decent shot at winning their last two games, which would be something um, to not end the season on like a nine game losing streak. Let's say more about Indiana and Rutgers than
0: it would say about Maryland. (laughs) Although I did see a tweet that says Maryland is the most talented two and eight team in the country. Duh. I don't know how many two and eight teams in the country there are. I doubt there are many that are more talented than Maryland at this rate. Uh, we should we should mention also that West Brown was suspended today for violation of the uh, I think it was the student athlete code of conduct. So expect to see a lot more Ty Johnson on Saturday against Indiana. Uh, quickly, Dave, Indiana has the most hilariously bad pass defense ever. Uh, and they're going up against the most hilariously bad passing offense ever. Uh, does the stoppable uh, does the stoppable force or the movable object win on Saturday?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think this is where you you'll really get a sense of um, which one, which unit is, which struggling unit is going to be, you know, successful. It's going to say either something about Maryland's passing game or something about Indiana's pass defense. So we'll know more at the end of the game on Saturday. And I think whoever comes out ahead of that clearly can hang their hat on being better than the other one. So now let's move on to more exciting times because there seemingly was
0: more coaching news for Maryland than there was good football news on the field. First, it was appearing that Lane Kiffin had interviewed for Maryland. That got shot down. And then Jason Lock and for at about maybe 1030 yesterday morning or Sunday morning, excuse me. Came out with a report that Bill O'Brien might be interested in Maryland's head coaching job should he get fired by the Texans. Now, this sounds a lot like Chip Kelly because it included a proviso. You must get fired by NFL team first. Now, the NFL team that Chip Kelly is coaching, shockingly, is better than the one that Brian uh, Bill O'Brien excuse me, is coaching. His Texans are losing right now on Monday Night Football as we record this. Uh, I'll start with Dave and then I'll go to Matt. How realistic is Bill O'Brien? I would be a fan of this move if it happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think any Maryland fan would probably be a fan of this move if it happened, just for the lone reason that it would make Penn State fans so angry that's that was at well, Maryland. He's also a good football coach, which he's is a very nice. good football coach. Um he's a great recruiter. He did I mean, the stuff that he did at Penn State following everything that happened there after uh Joe Paterno um era ended. I mean, you can't say enough for the way he held that program together and he was formerly a coach at Maryland um I don't you know there's so much smoke and mirror stuff that go on during these coaching searches um you know we had reports like you were saying that Lane Kiffin interviewed with Maryland and then no Lane Kiffin didn't interview with Maryland and I you know I, I there's probably truth there maybe there's a search firm on behalf of Maryland that interviewed Lane Kiffin but Maryland didn't do it technically themselves. I mean, there's so many different variables involved in these things that it's really hard to know that, you know, what is real and what isn't real. I mean, I don't doubt some of the people that are reporting some of these things because they've certainly been credible in the past with things that they've reported. Um, but it's, again, you, you just don't know. And it's really hard to, to decipher what is actually happening, what isn't happening. And I think you're not going to learn much about that. Um, And I don't think Maryland's going to hire a coach until after the season is over, but uh, it's certainly optimistic and hopeful that some of the names out there seem to have some sort of credibility towards Maryland, possibly going after them.
0: Okay. I left the other Matt in the dark for a while. He needs to have a chance to talk Uh, other Matt. What would you be thinking if Bill O'Brien became Maryland's next head coach, or even Lane Kiffin?
1: Oh man, I mean, you can push me away from football coaching news because I know very little about it. I'm thankful well, that well, make more we'll 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 at least try to coach. at
0: least try to sound smart. Do do better than I do, basically, is what I'm asking you to do. I
1: mean, I, we've seen obviously a lot of coaching football options come in the past few weeks with every coach who's bowed out with medical issues or just flat out and fired. So with Maryland football being in the shape it is, landing a big name seems to me to be a stretch. Again, I'm the, I haven't kept up too much on the coaching news, uh, but to land a big name seems to be like a win in general.
0: So Dave, let's, let's expand on that briefly. Gary Pinkle just resigned, so another job's opening up. And if I had to guess... Mizzou's job is pretty similar to Maryland's in that they both just moved to new conferences. They're both trying to prop up their football program, although Missouri's has been better than Maryland's in recent years. Let's not be kidding ourselves here. But when you look at all of these jobs, Maryland falls somewhere in there. But now with all of them open and all of the scuttlebutt, you're going to see some of these names getting crossed in and out. How much of it in general when these coaching stories are going to come out? Maryland's got two football games left. They're going to come through all throughout the month of December. So how seriously should we take each of these individual reports and how much smoke really is there going to be?
2: Um, it's really hard to tell, honestly. Um, just remembering back to when Ralph Regan was let go and Maryland started their coaching search to replace him, it, you know, there were just so many roller coasters and up and downs and – Mike Leach was going to be the coach and then, you know, the Etzel thing came up and there's, there's just so much that can happen. And, um, it's, I would just say enjoy the ride because there there's going to be names that you hear and there's going to be people that are interviewed and talked to. And, um, we probably are not going to know for sure until you know they're getting ready to actually introduce that person. That's not to say that if a report comes out that you shouldn't believe it, but at the same time, you know, there's there were a lot of up and downs last time, and um, I would expect the same kind of roller coaster this time around.
0: I'll just say this: the, I mean, it's going to get these reports are going to get us hits because we have to write about them. But I wouldn't put too much faith in any of these individual reports, even in December, because most of the coaches Maryland wants to interview are probably still going to be coaching in December until the end of the month. I, again, I don't start to expect to see real stuff happening until we get to maybe January. That's just a guess. But with all of the other jobs opening up and we still don't know which ones are going to open up, although presumably there aren't going to be ones above Maryland's level that are going to open up. I agree with Dave. Enjoy the ride. Have fun and don't overreact to individual reports and go after media members if something they report doesn't turn out to be true because lots of stuff is thrown around during this time and with maybe, what, 20 FBS jobs opening up? certainly feels like it's that many. There's going to be a lot of scuttlebutt that turns out to be wrong. So let's move on now to preview Georgetown, which is what everybody wants to talk about. I'm going to mention one thing that I've been hearing, and I know Alex tweeted about this yesterday or last night. If you have a student ticket for this game, And you don't want it, and you, instead of just putting it up for transfer, are selling it. You're doing the bad thing. Maryland student tickets are free for a reason. Please don't sell them. Obviously, people are going to buy them because everybody wants to go to this game. But please don't do that. Your soul will be on fire on the inside if you continue to do that. Just a little PSA from your old pal Matt here. Uh, Let's preview this game now. Georgetown lost to Radford, which was hilarious. Although it probably means they'll be angry heading into College Park. Uh, Matt, talk about Georgetown in general for a second. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? I usually assume when I see the name Georgetown that this is a team you never pick in the first round of the tournament because they always, always, always lose to a team they should beat. Uh, But it's November, not March. So what should we be thinking about when we're watching Georgetown tomorrow?
1: Well, Georgetown is probably going to be a team, sort of, in my opinion, like Wisconsin, that's going to sort of live on its name this year. I don't think that... Uh, Wisconsin or Georgetown did did any wowing in recruiting that we should expect them to be that much better of a team. But again, their name is just going to make them seem like, I think, a tougher opponent than they actually are. Georgetown's led by their, by their senior, Devontae Smith-Rivera, who seems to be the only senior that really makes a large contribution. He's their ball handler. He's their scorer. He's their assist guy. He's pretty much everything. Uh, so if Maryland can keep him in check, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect this to be a very close game in the second half by any means.
0: Really? Georgetown doesn't have anybody else. They were a four seed in the NCAA tournament last year. What happened?
1: Sure. I mean, no, I mean, I'm not going to dismiss them as a horrible team. They're, they're totally fine. It's just Maryland is just on such another level that I think even people in Maryland haven't really fully understood yet. Uh, but this team struggled against Radford because they're inexperienced, uh, spearheaded by one guy, really, who didn't play well in Smith Rivera, and I think that sort of shook them. Uh, They're going to have to look for an improvement from Isaac Copeland, uh, who was good later on last year, so maybe he'll pick up steam as the season rolls on. But uh, there's no one on Georgetown's roster who I think would outmatch Maryland at any position.
0: What kinds of things does Georgetown do that might give Maryland trouble, if they do anything that might give Maryland trouble on a consistent basis?
1: Uh, as long as Maryland can can limit the scoring inside, can keep them it can uh, keep them off three point line, which they had trouble with uh, against Mount Saint Mary's in the first half. As long as they don't give up a half like that to a better team like Georgetown, I really think that this is going to be a double digit win for the Terps.
0: Dave, do you agree with that? Because I-, I don't think even though. Georgetown might not be as good as we think they should be because of their name. I don't think it's going to be as bad, as bad as making it out to be. But maybe that's just me being naive.
2: I I'm, I think Maryland is going to... I mean, I think it's also going to be a double-digit win. I think the spread in the game is 9.5. Um, he made it sound like it's going to be like 20.
1: I think it's going to be lower than that. I'd say 20, but I, I don't think it's going to be very close.
2: Yeah, I think... I mean, like Matt was saying, you know, people know that Maryland is good this year. But, you know, they arguably have the most talented roster since the national championship year of 2001, 2002. And when it's all said and done, you know, the roster this year could be deeper and more talented than that team. I think we have to see how a lot of people... Play out and develop, but I mean, there's certainly that possibility there. And I don't think, like Matt was saying, that we realize yet how talented that team is. I, that's why I'm really anxious to see how this game goes and how um, Maryland does against a, a pretty talented Georgetown team. Um, I'm interested to see how Diamond Stone matches up with Bradley Hayes inside, who's Georgetown's really you know good center that they have seven seven foot center so you know there, there's going to be a lot of things i think that we're going to be able to take away from this game i think ultimately maryland is you know definitely the more talented team and again which i think this is going to be a huge thing for maryland all year maryland is a, a deeper team and that's that's going to be one of their biggest benefits you just look at the people they can pull off the bench even with deon wiley being injured there's just so much talent that they can bring off that bench. So if anyone is struggling or in foul trouble, they have the luxury of these additional people they can fall back on.
1: And I think a lot of people, I'll say also, just interrupting, sorry, but a lot of people also don't realize that Maryland's roster, we start three guys who are likely to be first-round picks. And I don't know how many other teams in the country can say that, with exceptions to the Dukes and the Kentuckys. I mean, Melo is probably going to be a later first-round pick, Jake the same, Diamond's a lottery pick, and then you have Suleiman and Robert Carter who are fringe second-round picks. We We could see five players on this roster in the NBA next season, so I don't think it's an unfair assumption to think that this Maryland team can actually start blowing out teams unlike it did last year.
0: That would be fun. It would induce a fewer heart attacks, which is nice for me. I, I, the, the too many heart attacks last year. Too many games where I almost lost my lunch or had my heart in my throat. That wasn't fun. I know that's not fun for anybody. Uh, let's do the, talk about the atmosphere tomorrow night. I mentioned off the top that students are reselling t- student tickets, which is awful. But it tells you that a lot of people want to go to this game. And Dave, you've been around this program a lot longer than the, either Matt or I have. What does it mean, I think, for the longer-term fans to see Maryland play Georgetown in a regularly scheduled game again?
2: I think for, for Maryland fans, you know, this game is so important because with the move from the ACC to the Big Ten, Maryland really needs that annual kind of rivalry game that they had with Duke. Uh, for whatever reason, when Maryland played Duke, it didn't matter how Maryland was doing that year. You, know, the Xfinity Center, or back when it was the Comcast Center, or even back at Coalfield House, you know, the atmosphere in either of those arenas was just electric. It's really in, you can't even describe it unless you've been there and experienced it. And just having everyone packed in there way before tip off happened, um, it, it's just this amazing experience. And I think having this Georgetown game now is really going to help fill the void because this was a really important series for Maryland basketball. And it's something that people have wanted to see for years and years and years. And it's also so significant for Maryland because when Maryland beat Georgetown at USA arena back in 1993, that was really the kind of coming out party for Gary Williams after the whole, sanctions and everything that Maryland went through and him rebuilding that program from scratch. And, you know, that really still resonates with a lot of people. And I think having that game here and finally getting it back on Maryland's campus and settling the dispute between the two schools that went on for so long as to who would get to host the next game in the series, I think it's just wonderful. And uh, I know they've said that Maryland's playing at Georgetown next year, and the goal is to make this an annual series between the two schools. But I really hope that continues because I think this will help fill the void left by uh, Maryland no longer being in the ACC. Dave Gavitt, even in death,
0: is bringing about compromise from parties you never thought could bring about compromise to. It's an amazing achievement by somebody who is dead. Uh, will John Thompson, old elder John Thompson, be there tomorrow night, Dave? I I don't think so, but somebody brought it up this morning,
2: and I wanted to ask you. I really don't know. Um, He won't be on the floor if he's there. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's there in some capacity just because his son obviously is coaching. Um, But, yeah, I mean, John Thompson was never very key on um, the series coming back and Maryland getting to host the next game in that series. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he's there. It wouldn't surprise me if he's not there.
0: As shown by the picture that the basketball team tweeted out, dressed up like Len Elmore from 1973, which was actually kind of amazing. When was the last time, Dave, though, that they actually played a regularly scheduled, not tournament game? Because I I got a conflicting number on that before. Uh, What what year was that? Uh,
2: I want to (sighs) say... 2008 maybe is that the year that I think that out? was
0: a tournament. I think that was a tournament year wasn't it
2: I can't I, remember off the
1: top was, of my head it was that it was a 42 year gap I think no or was that, that was
2: that was playing on campus oh, oh so you're they so haven't, yeah, yeah. yeah so f- it was 73 last time they actually played on Maryland's campus um, they, played, uh, they played a few at Baltimore other times once yeah and they played in like one of the one of those early season tournaments as well like a mm-hmm paradise jam type thing i can't remember what year that was though
0: anyway we'll we'll look that up and don't don't worry either you'll know about it tomorrow or you'll hear it on the broadcast don't worry uh, matt i want to ask you your student student media but a student what does the georgetown game do you think mean for the general student population because you're indoctrinated when you come here to hate duke they still say that at football games even though maryland doesn't play them anymore do you think the georgetown rivalry replaces that changes that how do you think student and based on the student attendance, I mean, there's a lot of people going to that game, more than you would expect. Uh, how do you think the students are reacting to playing Georgetown? Because you wouldn't think, I mean, the Maryland-Georgetown thing happened well before most of us were born.
1: Uh, okay, so I was a little late to the whole Duke thing also. My so freshman, was I. I still don't yeah. I, I don't
0: get it. But I
1: mean, I was a freshman the last year. Maryland played in the ACC, and we didn't play Duke. So well,
0: you did. We did, but
1: it was now. not. A, so, yeah, yeah, not. A, we didn't play Duke at home, so I never got that that feeling. The closest I ever got was a soccer game, which was still nuts, but you know nothing compared to what a basketball game could have been. So, I think that especially with basically Maryland is starting a whole new generation now, in, in my mind, with the transfer to the Big Ten, we're even calling we're at the Xfinity Center. Like everything seems brand new, and we have two new classes in below me who don't know anything about Duke and they just want a fresh rivalry. And I, I feel like we tried we, – we saw uh, a failed attempt at trying to start uh, a rivalry with Penn State starting with that football game last year, which I was mean, just – it's still
0: there, but that's only for football. It,
1: yeah, right. It was still – it seemed forced. So maybe something more natural like rebuilding an old rivalry that's, you know, close, obviously Georgetown being so close in proximity, it might feel a little more natural and people might get a little more into it and – I hope this starts to become a thing because I think it'd be a lot of fun traveling to Georgetown. Well, Verizon Center would basically be still half and half.
0: Like, I mean, Maryland, there will be, it'll be a Maryland pro atmosphere tomorrow night, obviously. uh, But at Verizon Center, I don't know how pro Georgetown it will be. There will be plenty of Maryland fans there. Uh, Don't you think, though, Matt, that there are Big Ten rivalries that could develop, like, Michigan State personally? I think that's the, if any Big Ten team Maryland develops a rivalry with, I think it could be
1: that one. Maybe them or
0: Indiana. Those are the two that I could that I can surmise.
1: There's obviously potential, but again, it has to be natural. There has to be a reason for it. Right now, Maryland's going to be great this year, but recruiting is iffy for next year, and Michigan State's recruiting class is absolutely nuts. So we have to see a competitive build between Maryland and other top Big Ten basketball schools before a rivalry can really set in. You
0: weren't on the show last week, so I'll ask you what you think Maryland's endgame is this season. We set a baseline of Sweet 16. Where do you think this team's ceiling is, and how far do you think they can go?
1: Oh, This is a national championship-caliber team, as long as they can stay healthy. Uh, I think anything less than the Sweet 16 would be a huge disappointment. I, I would say more people are probably expecting us to make the Final Four than not.
0: I certainly saw that. That seems like all the review articles I was reading last week, it certainly sounded like that, but... Maybe we will have a podcast after the Georgetown game. Maybe Matt and Alex will appear to you via video from the Xfinity Center press row. That probably will happen, too. That will Uh, happen. It will happen. Uh, Hopefully, it will be good video. Uh, I trust you, Matt, because you're doing all the filming stuff. Although, I'll be at the game Friday on on press row if it goes wrong. But regardless of that, I hope everybody enjoys the Georgetown game. I should mention a couple of uh, non red things. Maryland soccer is going to be playing possibly Virginia on Sunday in the NCAA tournament after they won another Big Ten title, which is awesome. Go, ter- go Terps men's soccer. Field hockey, unfortunately, lost, which is a shame uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But, yes, men's soccer, fantastic winning, beating Ohio State. Beating Ohio State's good in any sport. I don't care what it is. Uh, anyway, it was a bit of a weird podcast, but it works. Uh, Matt, you're back on after Skype issues. Uh, how was is your second time on this
1: podcast? Mm, I had fun. It's gonna get more fun when we have more content to talk about.
0: Yes, we will. And uh, Dave, this is now what three shows in a row you've been on.
2: Yeah, I know it's becoming a. That's ritual.
0: amazing. You weren't on a show for like six months. Now you're on three in a row. That that that's that's good. I mean, I'm not complaining about it, but it's surprising. <laughs> it this podcast does weird things to weird people. Trust me, I'm still the weirdest of all everybody here. Regardless of that, hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully you enjoy Maryland's game against Georgetown tonight. It's going to be crazy. And then Ryder next week. If we don't have a podcast on Wednesday, we'll have something before the Cancun Challenge next week. Uh, and, of
2: course, no choice.